The Lifestylist, Episode 9, featuring Dr. Kelly Bender. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Support for this episode comes from Bulletproof, an amazing way to upgrade both your morning coffee and your breakfast so you stay full, cravings-free, and energized for hours. And thanks to new Bulletproof Instamix, you can literally have an amazing, creamy latte that supercharges your day anywhere, anytime, in about five seconds. Check it out at Bulletproof.com, and while you're there, you can use the coupon code LUKESTORY to save 10% off your order. Well, here you are. You are listening to The Lifestylist once again with your old pal, Luke Story. In today's episode, I'm talking to Dr. Kelly Bender, and Dr. Kelly is a real doctor, unlike myself. So we spend this episode dissecting some of the different practices and things that I've experimented with to find out what has scientific validity and what doesn't. So we're going to cover heavy metals, uh, toxicity, how you get rid of it, vitamin IV therapy, which is something I'm a huge fan of. We go into uh, a bit about sleep. We talk about pain management and some somewhat experimental, perhaps even risky things that you can do to alleviate the pain in your body. And then we cover quite a bit on hormones. And for those guys that are listening, you think hormones have to do with your testosterone and just making you horny or not. Turns out testosterone and all of the other hormones have a lot to do with your overall health and well-being. So we're going to learn a lot about that today. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode because Kelly's very relatable and understandable, even though she's kind of a freaking genius. So sit back and enjoy this episode. And if you do, which I know you will, subscribe to the show and leave us a review in iTunes. I know it's a pain in the ass and I hate asking, but I really want to grow this audience and grow this show and bring you the best possible content. So help me to help you by leaving us a review. Enjoy. And now, how about a little something for you, my faithful listener? I'd like to now offer you my free episode upgrade. The episode upgrade is a sweet four-page document chock full of all of the links, show notes, and resources that Kelly and I discuss in this interview, as well as my featured favorites, which are some of my most coveted products and services that I've come to know and use over the years. So all you have to do to get this amazing free download is this. Text the word LIFESTYLIST9 to the number 44222. Text LIFESTYLIST and the number 9 to this number, 44222. If you're at a computer, you can also do it through your browser. Just go to lukestory.com forward slash lifestylist9 and you will get hooked up. It's pretty sweet. And when you get that upgrade, feel free to forward it to your friends. It's got tons of great information and links. People always ask me, what was that thing you talked about? What was that water, this machine, this supplement, whatever? And so I finally just decided I'm just going to put them all in a document and send them to you. So that will be yours to enjoy. And I also want to remind you to subscribe to the show because tomorrow is my last episode of 10 in 10 days. And trust me, you are not going to want to miss episode 10 featuring Eli Block because we are talking about orgasmic meditation. Yeah, it's a good one. 
So put that on your calendar, and right now in this moment, enjoy this great interview with Dr. Kelly Bender. Dr. Bender is a California licensed naturopathic doctor. As a graduate of Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, Dr. Bender is trained as an expert in natural medicine, my personal favorite. After graduating with a Bachelor's of Science in Pharmacology and Toxicology from the University of Buffalo, she's continued her training in cutting-edge therapies. I mean, what other kind of therapies are worth anything? These included intravenous nutrient therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and regenerative therapies like prolotherapy and PRP. She's super passionate about helping individuals optimize their health so they can live their lives to the fullest. You can find her, like I do, at her clinic, Pure Vitality Rejuvenation Center in Brentwood, California. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So Kelly and I, you guys, just had an interesting experience in my living room. She came over to the the in-home studio here. And of course, when I have a guest, I always like to just, you know, pull up a Word doc and just bounce around some ideas and write some notes for the show to make sure we cover the points I want to cover because I'm known to kind of go off on tangents and forget every goddamn thing that I wanted to talk about. But it's interesting because before Kelly showed up, I did my afternoon 20-minute meditation. And during kind of coming in and out of that consciousness, I was thinking or having some kind of vision that I wanted to call Kelly and be like, hey, can you bring me some vitamin shots? (laughs) (laughs) We've met a few times, but I don't know her like that. You know, it would have been slightly inappropriate or maybe awkward if that was out of bounds. So I didn't do that. And she shows up and she's like, hey, dude, I brought you some shots. So like the true vitamin junkie that I am, right before we got on this show in my living room, I got a shot of a couple things in my butt, which um, was interesting. And it's not uncommon for me to do that, but I've never done it in my own living room, which was rad. And of course, my immediate thought was like, wow, I could become a real vitamin junkie and get my own little kit and just do it myself. There you go. <laughs> so what was it that I got in me, Kelly? Yes, we did two shots today. Um, we did one that was, it's called Glutacyst. So it's glutathione and selenium and some other vitamins that help your body regenerate glutathione. Glutathione is one of the um, strongest antioxidants in your body. It helps your liver metabolize a bunch of crap if you're taking it. It'll help you um, go through heavy metals if you are eating a lot of fish. I know we're going to talk about this later, heavy metals, mercury. Um, so it's it's great. It actually, glutathione can help um, regenerate your other antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin E. It's it's kind of the master antioxidant. Um, and then the other shot had B12, which is great for energy, mood, sleep, stamina, um, really a great all-around kind of vitamin. MIC, which is methionine, inositol, and choline. Those are three amino acids that your body uses um, to kind of help your liver process. It'll process fat. It'll help process, um, you know, chemicals or or medications if you happen to be on that. And then a little bit of B6, which is also good for, you know, immune system, energy, carbohydrate metabolism, all of those things. So we, we got you juiced up for, for tonight. I have to say I feel pretty awesome. And I notice whenever I go get like IVs of vitamins and minerals, I have to say I sleep like a beast on those nights. And I, I never know like which of those compounds is actually assisting with that. I've always assumed it was the magnesium. 
but uh, it could be any number of things. So I'm looking forward to getting a solid night tonight. So Kelly Bender, what's up with you? Tell us where you came from on this planet, how you got into doing what you do. Yeah, well, when a man and a woman really love each other, they, <laughs> no, sorry, you don't want to go that far. Um, I'm originally from New York, upstate New York, Syracuse, and I uh, went to undergrad for pharmacology and toxicology. Um, when I was in high school, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I was really good at chemistry and sciences, and I wanted to help people, um, so I thought I would be a pharmacist. Great, right? That is really helpful to people, giving them medications. Um, I started doing some research into it and happened across this school in Phoenix, Arizona called Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. I was 16 at the time and I went on their website and I read through and everything on their website. I was like, yeah, this, this is exactly what I want to do. This is what I love. Um, you know, they had pages on using food as medicine. I love to cook. I love to feed people. And to use that as medicine was, you know, really inspiring to me. Um, herbs. I love the thought of, you know, being able to use uh, herbs for people to help them heal. I was the kid in the backyard kind of plucking things, squishing them together in a little pail and trying to feed them to my younger brothers, which did not go over so well with my mom. Um, but that was, you know, kind of what I did as, as, a, as a little kid. Um, oriental medicine, acupuncture, everything I was reading, I thought this, this is what I want my life to be. This is what I want to do. Um, so I looked at the school, I went and I visited the school and I decided after about 20 minutes of being there that that was where I was going to go to medical school. So I specifically went to undergrad for pharmacology and toxicology so that I could get the other side so that I could really have a deep understanding of how medications work, when they would be appropriate, when they might not be appropriate. Um, so that was four years of my life, uh, sitting in a lecture hall with about 300 other students that were going to become, um, MD doctors and pharmacists. And I distinctly remember listening to a lecture about statin medications and the professor said, you know, this is preventative medicine at its best. Giving patients, everyone who turns 40, a statin drug. Oh my God. Then they don't have a heart attack. And that's preventative medicine. That's preventing a heart attack. And everyone around me sounded, you know, they it, it sounded so great to them. They're like, yes, every, every patient we're going to give statins to at, at the minute they hit 40. It doesn't matter what the cholesterol is. We're just going to give it to them. We're saving people's lives. And I'm sitting there looking at people like, are you nuts? I Did you not hear what they actually do to the body? We go through the mechanism of action. We understand how they work in the body. Do you, are, are we listening to the same lecture? Uh, so it was four years of that and uh, really glad I went through that because I have a good understanding of how medications work and when they're appropriate. And then I went to Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Phoenix, and it's a four-year medical school. It's very similar to MD medical schools. The first two years are basic sciences, so anatomy, biochemistry, physiology. We learn how to diagnose using you know, physical exam skills, laboratory, imaging, all of that kind of stuff. Um, we also learn pharmacology, minor surgery, uh, but we learn a lot of nutrition, how the body actually works, 
we learn um, how to use herbs, acupuncture, adjustments, specific nutrients. Uh, we do a lot of mind-body, so understanding and honoring that connection. And we take a different look and a different approach to the human body. So we don't look at it necessarily as individual systems. We look at everything kind of as a whole and try to determine what is actually going on. What's the root cause? If you have a headache, there's a million things it could be. Most doctors will give you a pain medication. You have pain. We're going to give you medication that makes you not have pain. Uh, but pain a lot of times is the body's way of telling us that there's something wrong. And so if you just turn off that signal, there's still something wrong and your body's going to find another way to express that to you. Um, you know, whether it be you're dehydrated and that's why you have a headache, you have muscle tension, you have um, a misalignment in your neck. There are, are plenty of things that can give you a headache. And if you just take the pain away at that time, it's not actually fixing what's going on. This is the classic, like addressing the symptom rather than the root cause, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is really good if you sell medicine. <laughs> like it's a great business model, you know, just keep selling someone the solution over and over and over again, uh, but not getting down to the actual root cause. So, so wow. Well, you know, what's interesting about what you just told me so far is that God, you're so fortunate to have identified so young what your passion was and what your talent lied in as well, mm -hmm. right? I think so many of us have a passion for one thing and a talent and another thing. And I don't know, maybe in a lifetime, a lot of people probably don't even figure that out. I mean, I'm 45 and I think I just this year found where those two intersect. But at various times in my life, I know I've done something that I have a lot of passion for, but I'm not that good at, you know, if I'm really honest with myself in retrospect, like playing music, for example, I'm okay at it. Uh, but I had so much passion for it and that, you know, I was able to achieve a certain degree of success and then other things where maybe it was the other way around. So you're so blessed to have been able to identify that so young, like this is my resolve. This is what I'm going to do. I'm committed to helping people on a deeper level in a way that makes good common sense. What you're telling me makes all the sense in the world to me. So once you got your training, uh, what was the journey from taking that training and parlaying that into becoming a health entrepreneur as you are now? I mean, you're a business owner, you're helping people, uh, and you're also kind of doing your own thing, doing it your own way. What, what was that journey like? It's a little bit painful. Um, so when I first started in um, medical school, I went with the idea that I was going to be living in Mexico or Haiti and giving free medical care to people. And I was president of a club called Naturopaths Without Borders um, for several years in school. We would go down every month to Rocky Point, Mexico and do a free clinic for people who didn't have access to healthcare. So that was a huge part of my training um, as a medical student and I'm actually going again this this upcoming weekend. It's been a while um, so I'm really excited to go back down but I came into school with the, the thought that I think a lot of naturopathic doctors have. We tend to be bleeding hearts. We want everyone to get better. We believe in the medicine so much. We see how it impacts people's lives and so we just kind of want to give it away to everybody and so that's a common 
I don't know if I would say problem, but uh, it's definitely something that we need to work on as a profession is being able to take what we have and become an entrepreneur. So the first three, three and a half years of, of medical school, I had zero entrepreneurship. Um, you know, it was a dirty word, making money, <clears throat> making money kind of made me feel icky a little bit. I didn't have a great relationship with money. Um, and then I started thinking about if I couldn't make money and survive, then I wouldn't be able to treat anybody and all of the skills and all of the knowledge that I had would go to waste. So it was a little bit of a, a shift. Um, there's a lot of people in my life that helped me make that shift and I'm still trying to to do that. But I started, you know, reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, Tim Ferriss, um, Peter Sage, all of those, those people, and really figuring out a way to feel good about the service I was giving people and understanding that they wanted to reciprocate. They wanted to be able to show their appreciation, whether it be monetarily, sometimes, you know, people still have trouble paying, so they would bring food or things like that. Um, so for me, it's been a journey these last two years. I moved to California two years ago, to LA, started my own practice down in Marina Del Rey, which was great, and have just recently, six months ago, opened a joint practice with Dr. Heath McAllister in Brentwood, and meeting entrepreneurs in Santa Monica, in LA in general, has really kind of sculpted me as an entrepreneur understanding how to have a better relationship with money, how being successful is actually the way to spread your information, right? If you kind of sit at home and you don't have the ability to take care of yourself or to, you know, have your basic needs met, you are always anxious about that and worried and you can't give your best to the people around you, the people who need you. So, Coming to terms with that was was difficult, but I'm working on it. I so relate to that. And it's funny, I was actually listening to the Zig Ziglar podcast. I mean, he's since passed, but his son and some other you know people in his organization have a podcast. And they had a rabbi on this morning. I don't recall his name, but he talks, his whole you know teaching and books and everything is all about God and money and the Bible and money. Like I, I'm assuming the Old Testament, I guess, if he's a rabbi. So he, he was giving all these quotes from the Bible and, you know, how we're supposed to have money. We're supposed to make money and that somehow we got stuck in this paradigm where, um, you know, being a good person and being spiritual means that you're supposed to be poor. And this is something, you know, we were talking about actually before the show a little bit. And I, too, have struggled with that because it's like I even though I've worked for a lot of the knowledge and experience that I've gained in health and spirituality, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's all been a gift. I have worked for it, but I don't know when you have a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience and it happens just as a result of grace and you benefit from it and you become, dare I say, more enlightened or you're you're um, you know given some degree of wisdom from that experience and things that you've worked through. It was a huge jump for me to try to make a business out of that. And I, I really did struggle. I talked to Emily Fletcher, actually, on another episode about this, too, because she's a meditation teacher and has an amazing, flourishing business and I think is doing quite well. 
And um, it's something I think a lot of us struggle with, you know, is like, am I a bad person because I want to be financially secure and I want to eat expensive organic food? And like, you know, I just went and bought a new car yesterday, you know, and it's like I had these slight tinges of like, oh, you know, you you really could be giving this to charity or, you know, it's like, dude, I've been working my ass off for 30 years in, in various industries. And um, it was so great to just kind of let go of, of those ideas and just say, no, man, like I want to be comfortable and be happy. And the more comfortable and happy I am, like you said, the better me the world is getting and the more service I can be to people and, and the better products I can deliver, the better service. It's like the more my life is optimized, um, the more people benefit. And so it it is, I think, a struggle for a lot of us. And I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad you're like, F that I'm, I'm doing my thing and, and you're helping people. You help me. You know, I've gotten, I don't know how many shots from you at the Bulletproof Conference in different places. And I'm very happy to pay you whatever you want. I don't even think about it. It's like, great. I know that you're sourcing the best compounds. You, you know, you're making your special little cocktails and I, I know you've done your research and you've earned my money as a customer, you know? So I think we all have to kind of change our views on, um, you know, on spirituality and money and that what we're doing has come hard earned. Even the bits of grace that we've run into, we still put ourselves in that position. You know what I mean? We still had the interest. We read the spiritual books. We've gone to India. We've done the meditation classes. We've done yoga. We've, we've surrendered our anger and hatred and resentment, and we've let go of blame and we've forgiven people that have wronged us. I mean, we've done the work to become who we are. And, and I think that, um, it's very valid to, make a good living from helping other people to be able to do that, to be well and prosper. And it has a domino effect. You know, every person that you're able to help in your practice who then doesn't have to suffer from degenerative diseases or low energy or um, emotional and mental problems as a result of deficiencies is going to be a better mom, is going to be a better husband, right? Is going to be a better entrepreneur, a better employee. It's like, I think we all have to go in that direction. <laughs> okay, there's my soapbox. Okay. So let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of of what you do. And, you know, I'm just a geek for this stuff, but I do it from a totally intuitive place. And to me, let's just talk about, for example, you know, you do a lot of different things in your practice, but the thing that I'm really into uh, is injecting vitamins via shot like we just did. Uh, which, what do you call that? We call, like in the, in the drug addict world, they call it skin popping. <laughs> um, I know from my former life when you don't like go into the, you know, the vein. Yeah. Intramuscular and I am. Intramuscular. Yep. Okay. So we did those, but then what I do on a regular basis, and I, I go to a, another clinic cause it's just a little bit closer than you guys are to where I live. I do it a lot when I fly. So on the way to LAX, I'll stop and I'll get, it's not even a Myers cocktail. It's, um, kind of a souped up turbo Myers cocktail. And to me, it just makes perfect sense that if, if you want to get vitamins and minerals into your body, that they're going to get in in a more profound and um, effective way through your veins and going right into your blood and right into your organs as a result, than having to meander through your digestive tract in some kind of pill or vitamin form. So what's what why is it better to shoot up vitamins? Yeah, so that's exactly that's exactly right. 
A few things to consider is there there are different types of vitamins. Um, two big classes are water soluble and fat soluble. And so you need to be aware and careful. Uh, your blood is mostly water. So most of the vitamins that you'll do through the through IV are going to be water soluble. You can do a few of the fat soluble vitamins like vitamin D injected into your muscle. Um, but but that's un- unusual. Typically, they're mostly the water-soluble vitamins, vitamin C, all of your different B vitamins, and then some minerals, magnesium, calcium, selenium, zinc, all of those things. So the benefit of being able to inject into the muscle or going straight into the vein is you you basically bypass your digestive tract. So if you're swallowing a pill, a few things can happen. First of all, you have to start digesting that pill. If it's a tablet, sometimes that's difficult for your body to even digest to try to absorb it. Capsules are a little bit easier. Um, Then your stomach acid, you have to have the correct pH. So if you have any sort of um, you know acid reflux, generally your pH is different. If you're on certain medications, your pH is going to be different. And then your body has to absorb those vitamins. When you are trying to absorb them, if you have gut inflammation, so a lot of people eat foods that cause inflammation to their GI and it gets leaky. It gets kind of like if you roll around in a bunch of poison ivy and you get a rash on your on your arm, it's hot, it's inflamed, it's, it's kind of oozy. That happens to the inside of your digestive tract when you eat foods that you are allergic or sensitive to. And so you can't, those cells that are supposed to be absorbing the nutrients don't work as well. And we see this a lot with people, you know, people who drink a lot of coffee. Also that change, I know. Well, is a lot one cup every morning? I have one cup of bulletproof coffee in the morning. Oh, I have patients who drink 10 cups a day. Oh my God. I would end up in a rehab or mental hospital. Yeah. So that's a lot. Okay. Okay. Good. That's a lot. I feel, I feel better. So (laughs) is what you're talking about, um, symptoms of leaky gut, what people talk about leaky gut, where you have this gut permeability and you're unable to absorb the pills that you think are so healthy that you're swallowing. Is that what you're getting at? Yes. It can be leaky gut or it can be the beginnings of leaky gut. It doesn't have to be quite that extreme, but we see that a lot. Um, So you can't really absorb, you're having difficulty absorbing. So that could be an issue. And then another thing that people don't really know very much about is everything that you absorb through your digestive tract all gets absorbed into this network, this system of um, your, your venous system, and it goes straight into your liver. Everything that you absorb, food, medication, anything that you ingest orally, dumps straight into your liver so that it can determine if you've just eaten poison or if there's something bad that it needs to detoxify. So your liver will process all of that blood and uh, excrete a lot of the the vitamins. So some people aren't absorbing it very well. And then there's always what we call first pass metabolism. So the fact that the liver is going to, to look at everything that's coming in and not let you get that full dose when you do intravenous, if you go straight into the vein, it floods every cell in your body in a little over a minute. So every cell in your body is getting the nutrients directly washed over them and they can absorb it. So you don't have to rely on your digestive tract to absorb it. You don't have to worry about if your liver is eliminating any of it. 
So that's one of the big, um, you know, benefits. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's just what I kind of figured in, <laughs> in a very elementary, you know, I have like little stick figures in my head and I'm going, okay, goes in stomach, goes through these little tubes, like something's got to go wrong in there. Right, it's, it's complicated. Like, if it's going right into your circulatory system, it's just got to be more direct. And I'm always looking for the most powerful hit possible in whatever I'm doing. You know, I want the most effective, fastest, optimized way to do everything. I mean, I, I'm talking about driving, like whatever, right? I want to spend the, the least amount of time and getting the maximum amount of results. So, but what you just told me is kind of disheartening because like last year, I, you know, I went over my numbers. I, I'm trying to really work on, on my, how I spend money. You know, I'm, I'm getting over like making money and feeling guilty about that. It, I'm welcoming the earning of money, hard-earned money. But um, I've had some issues personally in the past with not really managing my money well and not really keeping track of anything. I've been very vague about like how much I make, how much I spend, and I've gotten myself in a lot of trouble, frankly. So last year I added up all of my receipts. I think it was, yeah, for 2014. And <laughs> I'm not going to say the numbers on here because it's somewhat embarrassing, <laughs> but the amount of money I spent on supplements, I'll just say this. It was $1,000 more than my rent per month. Wow. And my rent was pretty high. I was living in the Hollywood Hills in like a rock star house. So that'll give you an idea, which is neither here nor there, not right or wrong. I'm not, you know, being um, judgmental on myself. I was just observing and trying to do a little inventory and see like, hmm, where's my money really going? And I think that's a great place to put money. I mean, I don't buy big screen TVs. I haven't today I or yesterday I bought a new car, but I haven't had a new car in 10 years. I've been driving the same 2003 BMW for 10 years and it was fine. You know, I don't need a new car. So I thought, and then the repairs started to get me. So I, I got rid of it, but uh, I found I was spending all that money. And what you're telling me is really kind of crushing me because that tells me so many of the vitamins and stuff like that I'm buying are maybe just passing through me. My liver's going like, nah, no thanks. We'll just get rid of that one. And there goes however many, you know, thousands of dollars a month. Really, so, really expensive poop. Yeah. So, but, and, and let's say uh, when we're doing the intravenous, is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. I always say, I want to say intravenous. When we're doing the intravenous, IV type vitamin and mineral therapies, they're quite expensive. I mean, you can spend a couple hundred bucks on a shot easily, right? So that's maybe say I buy like a good supplement and, you know, 60 tablets or capsules or something in a bottle that might be 60 to $80 for a bottle of that, that maybe lasts a month. Right. Mm -hmm. And I buy a few of those to get up to that $200. But if you look at the bang for your buck, I'm trying to be an economist here about this. If, the nutrients in an IV last, what, seven, 10 days in your system? Or, or do you think you feel effects longer than that or have benefit uh, longer than that duration? It, it depends on your nutritional status to begin with. It depends on if you have any disease processes going on. So it's very individualized. But we do have a lot of patients that come in um, before they go on a plane, they will not get on a plane before they come and get our jet setter IV. That's and me. So Ooh, I need to try the jet setter. It's <laughs> pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, they swear by it. They won't, they won't get on a plane. And so boosting it periodically, you can get more 
nutrients into your body in an IV than you can possibly absorb, even if you have a completely intact GI system, everything's running perfectly, your body hits this absorption wall. You can't possibly absorb anything more, specifically with vitamin C. So with vitamin C, a lot of people say, oh, I've taken lots and lots of vitamin C and then I get a stomach ache. That's a common side effect. And that's actually uh, an indication to us to decrease your amount of vitamin C. We call it bowel tolerance. So your, your body can only absorb so much vitamin C. If you take more than that orally, it just stays in your digestive tract, attracts water, and then you're going to have some definite GI upset. But you can get a lot more into your, into your IV or even in shots that your body can use. It can go and, you know, like I said, bathe every cell in your body and your body's going to take it up and use it. Um, but you just can't absorb it fast enough. Right, right. So, yeah, that's interesting because I've, you know, thankfully I've never had anyone very close to me get cancer. And I really don't believe that I'll ever get cancer in my lifetime this time around. Uh, But I'm aware of it. And, you know, I hear little things here and there and maybe a friend of a friend. And I like to kind of stay up on this. And uh, I've heard a lot of treatments involving extremely high dose vitamin C IVs for certain types of cancer. Have you heard about the efficiency of that? I mean, is that something that's legitimate or is that just a totally fringe kind of woo-woo blast call thing? Yeah. So that is interesting. Um, High dose vitamin C cancers are all different. So they have different ways that they interact in your body. Um, I am not a specialist in oncology. If you are looking for a specialist, their naturopathic doctors can become FABNO certified Um, F-A-B-N-O, and that is two years of doing a residency specifically in oncology. And so they're the ones that would have way more knowledge about that than I would. But basically high dose vitamin C, vitamin C is an antioxidant. So it's going to scavenge free radicals. It's going to, um, you know, kind of help your body in that way. But when you do such high doses, it actually becomes an oxidative stress and can go and kill the cancer cells. And vitamin C has an interaction with uh, the way that cells take up sugar. And so cancer cells need a lot of sugar. They need a, they have a really high metabolism. They're growing at a fast rate. That's kind of the problem with cancer, right? They just are uncontrollably growing. So they will take up a lot of vitamin C, whereas other cells won't take up as much. And that is one of the mechanisms that will will help with the cancer, help kill the cancer. Wow, cool. Okay, good. And in terms of, you know, it's like we could go so deep on this stuff. I have so many other things I want to talk to you about. But it's interesting because I know when I was a kid, you know, my mom, both my mom and dad were health nuts, you know. I mean, back then, health food stores, like I always say, were, you know, it's like bins of moldy oats and stuff. That, you know, that was like the health food store. I literally grew up on granola, you know. No wonder I'm like gluten intolerant. But, uh, you know, my mom, God bless her, she started making me take a handful of vitamins when, I mean, when I was four or five years old, I mean, every meal I had to take a huge handful of horse pills. And I remember once in my, uh, we lived with my grandmother when we first moved to uh, the East Bay in, in, in Northern California from Colorado. 
And she would give me these pills, and then when she would leave the room, I would throw them under my grandma's rug in the dining room. She had like this, you know, this rug underneath the dining room table. And then when we moved out, we like moved that stuff, and there was just thousands of vitamins under there. But anyway, I digress. Uh, one of the vitamins that she used to give me a lot was like absorb. What do you say it? Absorbic acid, vitamin C. Ascorbic. Ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid. Okay, so she'd give me those big, like thousand milligram chalky absorbic acid, and she would give me tons if I was getting a cold or something like that. And it would always give me diarrhea, you know, and it was, so that's like that intolerance. So I, ever since I was a kid, I've been very aware that it, you know, it sounds good on paper to take a bunch of vitamin C, but not really so hot on the old digestive tract. But recently I discovered, there's a couple different brands. One's called Live On. They sell these little packets of liposomal vitamin C. That's great. So those are good, but they're like 40% alcohol and I don't drink. So that's a lot of alcohol to be taking, you know, it's like taking half a shot or something. Mm -hmm. It's a little sketchy. So I found uh, actually Dr. Mercola manufactures capsules of liposomal vitamin C and they're in MCT. And I can pound and let me know, you know, if you think this is good, but I mean, I just was feeling a little funky a few days ago and I'll take like 10 of those and I feel like I could take 50 of them and I feel nothing like I'm fine. So what do you think of liposomal vitamin C? And yeah. tell us tell us what that means for people that aren't like that into the stuff. Yeah, so liposomal means um so lipophilic is is fat loving. So liposomal is a an emulsification and so it you can absorb it better. Um water soluble things have a certain way that they are absorbed. Fat soluble things have a certain way they're absorbed. Um so making it into this kind of emulsified Think like mayonnaise is an, is an emulsification. It's a liquid and a fat kind of stirred up together. So the liposomal vitamin C definitely has a much higher absorption rate. Uh, I think it's like 80%, whereas non-liposomal is 30, 40% absorption. So that's really great. An interesting thing about your body is your ability to absorb vitamin C is based on your body's need for vitamin C. So you will absorb more when you need more when you're sick. So if you aren't sick and you take four or five packets, you know, the of the emergency and you get some diarrhea, taking four or five packets when you actually have a cold could be fine. Interesting. So your body kind of knows, doesn't it work that way with iodine? I've heard that when you are deficient in iodine, I think I heard this from David Wolf, like you can put that um, Lugol's iodine on your wrist and if it disappears really fast, that means that you need more iodine. And if it stays there and kind of stains you, that's your body's way of telling you, okay, we're good. We're, we're full. The tank's full. Kind of like when you fill up at the gas station, it starts to come out like, you know, it did back in the day. I don't think it does it anymore. So is that true of iodine also that your body kind of has this innate knowing and lets you know on your skin or is that a wives tale so that's a touchy subject in the naturopathic community some people swear by it and some people say you know there are so many different things that come into play um with that your body is innately intelligent that's one of the foundations of naturopathic medicine is your body knows what it needs to do and so yes it can change the absorption rate based on its needs at the time whether or not the iodine skin test is uh, <laughs> relevant or accurate is uh, above my pay grade. Right. I mean, you'd have to do like a lot of 
you know, triple blind test, right? You'd have to like check someone's iodine level, have them do the skin test, have them take a bunch, have them not take any, do the skin test. Like the doctor couldn't know, the patient couldn't know. You'd have to have placebo. I mean, it'd be a really, you know, you have to spend $10 million to figure out if that's like, you know, some woo-woo test or if there's a basis. I've tried it. And for me, I, I take a lot of iodine. Uh, I take it really every morning I wake up and I have a huge glass of, of course, spring water with some really good sea salt in it, about a teaspoon of sea salt and a nice dropper, probably, I don't know, 30, 40 drops of uh, iodine. I take an iodine called nascent iodine by a company called Magnetic Clay. We'll put it in the show notes, people. Good stuff. But, you know, ask your doctor before you take it. I mean, not a real doctor, <laughs> a naturopathic doctor. If you ask your doctor to take anything, I'm like, no, just Twinkies are good. Um but I take a lot of iodine. It just, my body feels good, but I can do the skin test and I always soak it all up. It always disappears. So I'm like, I'm not going to drink half a bottle of iodine and like keel over. So I'm not sold on it, but it's a neat idea. So I'm, we'll leave it at that. Agreed. Okay. So let's talk about, let's see, God, so much good stuff to talk about. I know that you also, in addition at your clinic and people like you that I've hung out with, um, in addition to putting things in your body, you also run a litany of tests. And so you'll test for heavy metals and you'll test hormone levels. And I call this just like getting your panels done. You know, you just, you want to see something on paper. So what's the deal with heavy metals? What, what's all this talk about heavy metals? Like when I think of heavy metal, I think of Judas Priest, Scorpions, <laughs> you know, Black Sabbath. <laughs> like what are these heavy metals that get in your body and what do they do? And why are they called that? If they're so microscopic, how can they be heavy? Yeah, so I wish that it, those were the heavy metals. They would be a lot more fun to hang out with than, uh, than the heavy metals that I hang out with. Um, so heavy metals... Mercury, lead, cadmium, arsenic, all of those things. Um, I don't know why they're called. I mean, they're they're metallic components. So right. I guess if you I aggregated them. I guess if you had like a, a ton of mercury you know, or a ton of cadmium, it would be a heavy metal. But it what's would be a light a metal? It would be know. a ton, actually. So leaving leaving aside the, the name and why they're called that, what do they do? Like, what's the big deal? Why do we need to get tested for heavy metals? And um, what's the problem? Like, I recently, as I told you, uh, had my labs done and I was really high in lead. And I, I everyone's like, God, how did that happen? I think I've found the source. Um, it's another story for another time. But it's really bad, apparently, when you have high lead. So I'm working on, you know, looking into some chelation to get that out. What happens to you if you have these heavy metals in your body? What are some of the most uh, common symptoms? Yeah, that's a good question. So heavy metals are interesting. We, we talked about water-soluble vitamins. So things that are water-soluble, we can excrete through our kidneys, right? We pee out. There's ways that our bodies can get rid of things. A lot of pesticides we can get rid of somewhat easily. Heavy metals are really difficult to get out of our body. So that's one of the reasons that it's, such a problem ingesting them is because our our liver can get rid of them. Uh, glutathione, like we talked about in your shot, is helpful to get rid of mercury. Your liver can excrete them. But in general, the heavy metals will find themselves in your tissues. They'll accumulate in um, fat tissue sometimes. Lead particularly has affinity for bone. So the lead will go into your bone and make it a little bit more brittle. Um, mercury can go into your brain. There's all of these different places that it will, it will settle. And it's very difficult to get that out once, once it's in there. 
symptoms range, um, you know, the the mad as a hatter from from Alice in Wonderland. Um, hatters used to use a mercury solution on their on the pelts, and they were absorbing a bunch of mercury through their skin. And so you do you get um, dementia, you get mad, you go crazy, you have mood swings, you have um, a whole host of neurologic symptoms, numbness, tingling, your balance can be off. You can have blood disorders, so you can have too little of platelets, you can be anemic, you can have anxiety, depression, um, you can have an increase in allergies, so seasonal allergies, you can have um, speech issues, cognitive dysfunction, there's a whole lot of, of things. Um, immunity is a big one. When people are really toxic in, in metals, we see them get chronic colds. They just can't kick it. You you know those people that get sick. They're sick sick for six weeks. No matter how much vitamin C they take, you know all of these things. A lot of times, it's because their body is is fighting itself. Um, heavy metals have been linked to autoimmune diseases. Um, there's there's a whole host. You name it, and there's probably a heavy metal that could be causing it. Where. I keep thinking of those heavy metal bands. Heavy metal is <laughs> causing it. Our our nation's youth is going down the toilet as a result of heavy metal. Where do we pick up these freaking metals? Like I, I you know, the only one that I had was lead. I think I, you know, I was, you know, I was trying to take the paint off this banister with a heat gun. I did it for like a week. I think that's where mine came from. Mm-hmm. It's a dumb move back, you know. I was in my 20s. When you're in your 20s, dudes just do stupid shit because you, you won't listen to grownups still, even though you're supposed to be one. Um, but how does someone... Well, I know we could talk about, you know, amalgam metal fillings. That's definitely like kind of obvious. A lot of people might even be aware of that. But where do we pick this stuff up? Like, how's, how are people so full of this metal? Well, a couple of reasons they're full. One, like we talked about, we have a hard time getting rid of it. So... The older you get, you kind of accumulate these things. And over, you know, 20, 30 years, you're going to have a big accumulation. Um, Mercury, of course, we talk about mercury fillings. And it saddens me to say sushi. Fish, the big fish have a lot of mercury typically. So tuna, salmon, those types of things. And here in LA, sushi is kind of the hot, trendy food. And so people eat it. Dude, what about what about the parasite load? Like, I, I don't eat. I mean, I eat um, oysters, uh, copious amounts of oysters. My, my theory is with fish. And when I work with clients, the first thing I do actually is look in their mouth because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I have no energy. I'm like, open your mouth. What? Do you have metal fillings? And they're like, I don't think so. And then I look in their mouth. I'm like, uh, yeah, you do. That's not white. What's in that? That's metal color. Although I worked with a client the other day. Guys my age, or he's a, uh, 44, he's never had a filling in his whole life. I'm like, what are you, like, raised by Weston Price Foundation? How do you Fantastic. have perfect teeth? Yeah, it's crazy. But that's the first thing I'll do is look for those fillings. And then we start talking about heavy metals. Everyone has a really hard time giving up the sushi. And so what I recommend, and I want to see if you are in alignment with this, is eat the smallest fish possible. And my common sense just tells me they've been alive the shortest amount of time. Whereas a fish like a swordfish or a tuna, people think tuna is like a cute little fish. They're freaking huge. And they've been eating smaller fish who've been eating smaller fish than them, who've been eating smaller fish than them. And I don't know how long a tuna lives. Someone Google it and put it on Facebook for me or something. 
But I have a feeling a tuna lives a goddamn long time. Like, well, how long tortoises live? Like 200 years? A tuna probably lives for a long time and is basically like a water filter that swims around the ocean and just accumulates that stuff into its fat, right? And mm -hmm. what we really want to eat in the fish is the fat. So I go for the smaller fish, and that's why oysters and sard even sardines are disgusting tasting and mackerel too, mm -hmm. but they're so small. I'm like, they haven't been around long enough to be a filter for the ocean's nasty stuff for too long. And even oysters, to me, they're like a little amoeba or something. I feel like they've been alive for a week or something when they harvest them. They can't be that dirty yet. You know, they're so young seemingly. So am, am I on point with that in terms of the size of a fish and how long it sticks around in the ocean? So I'm not a biology major. I don't know how long they stick around, but you are correct with the size. You do want to typically eat the smaller fish. Um, yeah, I don't know the life cycle, but but I do know that Now the, I have to find out like how long a tuna lives. I don't want to Google it because it'll probably mess up the sound on this recording, but I'm, I'll find out. I'll put it in the damn show notes. Like tuna on average live. I hope I'm not wrong. I hope it's a really long time. Um, well, I guess it depends on, you know, how good they are at evading being caught. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, uh, but in general, yes, you're correct that you do want to eat more of the smaller fish, sardines, mackerels. And one of the reasons, maybe, maybe they're not around as long, but one of the big reasons is the big fish eat the little fish. So, um, it's called bioaccumulation. And we see that in, in fish, we see that in other animals, big animals that eat small animals the heavy metals get stuck in tissue. That's what we talked about, right? It, it gets stuck in the human tissue, uh, which is why it's a problem. It also gets stuck in fish tissue. And so it, it will be in the meat. And when the big fish eats a bunch of the little fishes, it takes all of their mercury load and puts it into its body. And so you get this... Um, this amassing of, wow, of the like heavy metals. it's like a force multiplier. Exactly. That's crazy. Exactly. So swordfish, tuna, salmon, sh shark, all of those bigger uh, types of animals are going to have the, the higher loads of heavy metals. Right. Okay. So through food. And then I'm assuming we're getting some of it just from... If I leave my car out of the garage one night and we're, you know, of course, in Hollywood, California, folks, live from Hollywood, if you, if I leave my car out overnight, it has this black dust on it in the morning. I bet that's a bunch of heavy metals. It's, it's like brake dust, right? Floating around uh, stuff out of your tires. It's like stuff from cars, a uh, burning coal. Doesn't a lot of them, doesn't the mercury actually, let's, let's figure this out. I believe a lot of the mercury in the ocean comes from the burning of coal in the environment. And then that uh, comes down, gets rained down into the world's oceans. And that's actually where the mercury in the fish comes from. I think I'm right on that. You may be right. Yeah. I think because, you know, like, I don't know, where else are the fish getting it? Yeah. Air, air quality, definitely an issue. Um, things that we eat, cigarette smoke has, um, has heavy metals in it. Um, a lot of different, like even shellfish, shrimp has um, has arsenic and things in it. So there's a lot of places it comes from. Um, primarily things that we eat ingest water. It can be in some of our water. That's yeah, you guys. Good. That's why I'm always talking about the swag water. <laughs> that Dasani, quote unquote, purified water. Purified. Come on, Dasani. Okay, so heavy metals, we got to find out if we have them. We get tested for that. You go pee in a bunch of cups a bunch of times, in my experience, and then, you know, 
There's ways that you doctor people can tell us if we have it. And then there's means, of course, by which we can get it out. One of my projects is getting getting the lead out, man. Did, did your mom tell you that when you were a kid? Get the lead out. Uh, yeah, probably like turn down the Led Zeppelin was maybe. <laughs> Actually, my mom was cool. She would have been turn up the Led Zeppelin. Okay, so let's then go into something else that we test for, and that's the hormones. I think a lot of people that I work with, it's one of the first things I do is I have them go to a functional medicine doctor because obviously I'm not a doctor, but I am able to identify a lot of the symptoms just based on my own experience. But I have them go get their labs done, of course, looking for heavy metals. But I find people's hormones are jacked up. I mean, I'll have a client who's a 35-year-old man and has the hormones of a 14-year-old girl. Like, they are really confused inside. And I mean, uh, you know, biology-wise, not mentally or emotionally. That's a, a totally different thing. But what happens when your hormones are jacked up? What happens when a man has really low testosterone and really high estrogen, for example? Like, what are we looking for in the hormone panels and what happens to you if they're wrong, if they're off? Yeah. So first of all, when we talk about hormones, there are lots of different hormones. Hormones are just chemical signalers in your body that different parts of your body produce and will travel to other parts and give a signal. So it's the way your body communicates with itself. Um, when we talk about sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, those are usually the three we talk about. Cortisol is is a main hormone from your adrenals. You have a whole host of of uh, different hormones, but I think the sex hormones are the ones. That's the, yeah, yeah that's that's, the, come on, that's the only ones we care about. That's the one that everyone <laughs> thyroid hormone. See, when when guys listen to this, they're like, "I want the ones that make me a stud and make my girlfriend not have PMS." So, what happens to a guy when he has low testosterone? I mean, does that what is what what else happens other than his sex drive not being all that because every guy that i talk to is like dude i want more sex drive and i know they're full of it they're like in their 30s and i'm sure they're probably just fine i think they just want to be optimal right so what happens if a guy has low testosterone does it have effects on him other than his sex drive absolutely so Testosterone we think of as the male hormone, but women have it too, just not in as high of of amounts. But testosterone gives us our sex drive, which is great, but it also helps us build lean muscle mass. It helps us wake up and have energy. So a lot of times we'll have guys that come in, you know, fatigue, they're putting on weight, uh, like fat, and they just, no matter how much they exercise, no matter what they eat, they can't, they can't get rid of the fat. Um, they'll start getting kind of like man boobs, right? Having high estrogen. You... We call those uh, in Hollywood. We call those moobs. Moobs. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like at an A cup right now. Yeah, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> Maybe I get need to get my hormones checked again, or just do like a couple push-ups now and then. Victoria's Secret. I hear it's great. Um, so so yeah, it, it can change your mood. Um, it can make you. Like I said, tired. It can it can lead to a whole host of symptoms that have nothing to do with your your sex drive. Um, so we want to make sure that's optimized. We've had several younger guys in their mid twenties come into the clinic, and they came in because they were getting these chronic infections. Didn't know what was going on. We looked at their hormone panel. Their testosterone was basically non-existent. Uh, we got them back up producing. 
and doing some bioidentical hormone replacement and their immune system kicked back up. So really, like I said, it's a, it's a chemical signaler. It tells your body what's going on. And so we need to look at why your testosterone might be low because that is also uh, something we need to look at. But, but having low testosterone can be, you know, pretty debilitating for some people actually. Right. And don't you think in this generation, men that have been drinking water out of plastic bottles, uh, men that have been using sunscreens and lotions with all these xenoestrogens. So xenoestrogens are these compounds that act like estrogen in your body and throw off the balance of your natural hormones. So I feel like men are just getting beat down uh, hormonally because of all these xenoestrogens in everything. I mean, you really have to be really careful what you put on your body and in your body because of all the BPA and plastics and everything. It's like um, I work with clients and of course, you know, I'm a huge proponent of bulletproof coffee. I mean, people get sick of me talking about it, but it's, it's one of the most, it's like one of the most effective things I've ever done health wise, energy wise. It just changed my life. But I use, you know, a glass, um, a tea kettle, right? And then I use a stainless steel French press. So it's never touching plastic, but I go over to a guy's house. Oh, I'm on the bulletproof coffee. I'm doing great. And they'll have like one of those coffee makers that heats up the water in a plastic tank with like an aluminum heating element in there. I'm like, dude, you're having a coffee full of heavy metals and BPA and God knows what other crap that's in the plastic. It's like you're getting energy and you're crushing your endocrine system. It's like so nasty. So you guys can't see me, but I am cringing because I have seen this happen. Um, and I'm very impressed, Luke, with you. Uh, yes, that's that's exactly right. I couldn't have said it better. We have all of these chemicals in our world, these xenobiotics that uh, look to your body like estrogen. So soy is another uh, you know thing. We have soy in a lot of our products, and soy is a phytoestrogen. It looks to our body like estrogen, um, as law as well as the BPAs and all of these things in personal care products, shampoos, um, you know shaving creams, all of this kind of stuff gives your body a, a big burden of estrogen. And so in our men, yes, we see a lot of times high, super high estrogens, um, which you you a lot of times will put weight on. You'll have trouble with hair sometimes. Um, you mean lack of hair? Sometimes lack of, <laughs> sometimes lack of hair. Yes, sometimes <laughs> lack of hair. Um, just kind of becoming... A little bit more like effeminate right you do you you start getting curvier you start putting on body fat um, that's kind of one of the, the big body changes we see in people and there's an interesting thing in fat you have an enzyme that converts testosterone to estrogen so the more fat you have the more conversion is happening so your body's kind of working against itself oh my god a little bit when you put on that weight um, so we see guys that come in and we check their testosterone and their estrogen, their testosterone is in the toilet, their estrogens through the roof. We of course want to, you know, clean up, clean up what they're putting on their body, what they're putting in their body. And then there's a product you can put on topically that will stop your body from converting that testosterone to estrogen. And what would that be called, pray tell? It's called Testinex. Um, and it's a derivative, it's Chrysin. So it's an aromatase inhibitor and that will help your body not 
convert the testosterone that you want into the estrogen that you don't. And we have really good results with that as part of a, a unique treatment plan for, for each patient. Um, so if that's, if that's the problem, really, really helpful. I'm on, I'm going to take it any, I don't even care if mine's low. I'm just doing it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> just sounds awesome. Yeah. Isn't that funny though? Sometimes I look at, at creation, you know, whatever, whatever this God thing, this universal thing that created all of this and, you know, just made these amazing bodies we have every once in a while, there's kind of a cruel joke thrown in there. Like if you're fat, then it makes you fatter. Yeah. I mean, that's what you just told me. Right. I'm like, really God, like, couldn't you give us a break? If we're fat, can't we lose a little? It's just, I don't know. Sometimes it, it just seems cruel. It is cruel, but, but I think, you know, God, the universe is looking out for you. Your body thinks it's under attack and it is, it's under attack from the chemicals. And so it's going into this storage facility kind of mentality. It doesn't, doesn't realize that you are getting these things from the nourishing food that you're eating. It thinks that there's something wrong and it's trying to protect you. Thank you for resolving that for me. Now it is, of course, the unseen hands, infinite wisdom at work again, and my little pea brain just couldn't see it. So thank you. Okay. So heavy metals, bad, getting them out. Good. Uh, hormone imbalance is bad. Taking care of that. Good. There's ways that we can fix that. Uh, let's talk about something else that you're involved in, and that would be the management of pain. Now, I know in my life, I mean, we were talking earlier, and I've been, I mean, I don't even necessarily like the word biohacking, but because it's just one of those things in a year, and people are going to say, that's lame, what are you talking about? But for lack of a better term, I've been just hacking my body and becoming more and more resilient and healthy for about 19 years now. I mean, I've been really working on myself after coming from literally like the gates of hell in my 20s. And I've overcome so many issues mentally, physically, spiritually. It's really incredible what I've been able to accomplish and, um, and I'm still working on it. But one thing that has persisted is this lower back pain. And every time I meet someone, they're like, oh, have you tried? No, I could get rid of it. Have you tried X, Y, and Z? I'm like, done it, been there. I mean, like, there's never anything I haven't, that I've heard of that I haven't done, you know? And um, at this point, I've almost written it off as karma. I mean, I've really thought about it. Like, I must have been a Viking and, you know, like, put an ax through someone's spine or something and I have to pay for it in this lifetime because like, I swear to God, short of stem cell therapy in Mexico, which is my next move, I've tried everything and I can't get rid of it. So the best I can do is try to mitigate that pain with some alternative therapies. I can't seem to get to the root cause of it or fix whatever's going on structurally. I'm still trying, I'm working on it. I'll, I'll let you guys know when I find the answer, but it's that sacroiliac joint. I've also had a lot of issues with you know, since I really started doing a lot of computer work in the last few years, they call it tennis elbow or tendonitis. I call it Mac trackpad, <laughs> jack, jacked upness, you know, and it, I mean, really like when I got a laptop for the first time, or when I switched from a mouse to a trackpad, it just trashed my arms. And so I'm working with my brother, Cody, uh, we're doing a lot of mobility drills and um, club bells and all sorts of different things to, to help that. And it has helped. But one thing that I know um, that you do that's helped me significantly is PRP. So tell us about some of the alternative treatments available, uh, ones that you've seen that are effective for just treating body pain and inflammation and things like that. Yeah, so pain management is probably one of the hardest things. Um, 
there's so many reasons you can have pain. There's so many different things that need to to go into evaluating that. Um, and I don't know that I like, for, for me, the word pain management. So pain management to me is managing it, not taking away, not fixing what's wrong with it. So being on medications or things to just help you manage your life, um, I would prefer to strengthen your body so that that goes away. Um, a few of the ways you can do that, you know, you want to make sure everything's in alignment. So if if something's out of alignment, it's going to put stress on different parts of the bone. It's going to put stress on different parts of the ligaments, tendons, those types of things. So making sure that you have proper posture and you have proper biomechanics and body mechanics is, you know, invaluable as far as that goes. Um, but then what happens if there's already inflammation? What happens if there's already structural damage? You can fix the positioning, but that's not necessarily going to heal the ligaments and tendons that have been damaged. So that's where PRP comes in. A lot of people know prolotherapy. So it's uh, short for proliferative therapy. And you inject a solution of dextrose, so sugar, with a little bit of lidocaine and some B12 typically into the the joints around. Let me, let me tell you what, not enough lidocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I've had prolotherapy on my lower spine. Oh my God, it is painful. It's pretty painful. It's the whole purpose of prolotherapy, proliferative therapy, is to cause inflammation in that area so that your body sends repair molecules and repair cells to go and fix the ligaments and tendons. Ligaments and tendons don't have a very good blood supply. So that's really the key. Your your muscles, even your bones, we make blood in our bones, in the inner cortex of our bones. Blood is what brings the nutrients. Blood is what brings our immune system to heal everything. So if you got blood, you can heal. Ligaments and tendons don't have a lot of blood, so they can't heal themselves very well. So the prolotherapy is used to bring blood, bring inflammation. So we're actually trying to irritate that area. It will flare like when you had the original incident, usually pretty, pretty painful, but it will help, you know, over time rebuild those ligaments and tendons. PRP is kind of a step up. So PRP is platelet rich plasma. What we do is we take your blood because that's where all the growth factors, all the nutrients, all the good stuff is process it, spin it down, get rid of the red blood cells, and we take the portion of the plasma that has all of those growth factors, over 26 different growth factors, and the platelets, and we inject that into the ligaments, tendons, into the joint capsule. So we're kind of bypassing your body's natural uh, artery and vein, right? We're, We're taking what we need from the blood and directly delivering it right to the area, and it's been shown on MRI to actually help rebuild ligaments and tendons, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and it's much less painful too. I've had PRP a few times and you know, you feel a little sting and it might hit a nerve on the way and it's it's a decent sized needle. <laughs> it's funny, like the doctor that I that I've been to see to get this, you know, they what they do is they take a bunch of blood out for your listening, right? As as described, um, like a giant syringe of it. Then they go in this back room for a little while and do what they call spinning it, which I guess is the process of getting rid of the red blood cells, right? And then they take you in another room, lay you down and depend on what part of your body you're getting it. And she walks in with this huge syringe of something that looks, 
kind of looks like urine to be honest it's like this kind of orangey yellow syrup you know and i guess mm -hmm. that's that's the plat that's what your Plasma. blood looks like when the red's removed right exactly and then that gets injected in there and it totally makes sense to me because when you think about you know i make bone broth right and when you get all these different bones if you look at those tendons and ligaments left in the bone they're white they have no blood in them the only time you'll see blood is like a little film kind of on the bone or if there's some meat you know some muscle tissue left there it'll be red but all those tendons and ligaments look like dry and actually without blood flow so that yeah that totally makes sense now <laughs> This is legal in the, in the United States, you know, according to the FDA. What you're doing is kind of playing with stem cells, right? It's one step lower than than a than a pluripotent stem cell. So you, there are places, and this is legal um, in in the United States. There's a great doctor, Dr. Profrock in Arizona, that does adipose derived stem cells. So you can take your fat and take the stem cells from that and inject those into places. And that's not the same as like fetal stem cells, which is not right. allowed. So what, what, what yes. are we so freak? <laughs> okay, check it out. Cause I know this plant, this is like one of my new biohacks that I, I just, one of these things I have to go try. Uh, there's a clinic in Guadalajara, Mexico. I don't have the name on hand, but they do like legit um, femur bone marrow stem cell, uh, deals right so they from you know from my point of view they take out bone marrow they multiply your stem cells the growth factors right you come back in like two or three months and then they have i don't know zillions of baby stem cells that originated in your body nothing weird no fetuses no you know foreskin or anything going on right and uh, and then you can either get it locally if you have a bum knee or whatever it is. In my case, I just, I really want to try it on my lower back. Uh, or you can just get it injected in your vein systemically as an anti-aging thing. They do that as well. And so I was quizzing them, like, what's the difference? Why can't you do it here? Like, if you can do PRP, um, which is, you know, just, you're still like concentrating stem cells and reintroducing it into your own body. And and what they told me was that the FDA doesn't like it here because if they turn people loose with the ability to multiply stem cells, you could get a lot of people in their garage or you know, like in a bathtub, like making God knows what out of stem cells and multiplying. It gets into some Frankenstein territory. Probably true. Some 3D printing of stuff. I mean, stuff. it could get a little bit weird with, you know, some quack doctors or something. But uh, at any rate, I really like the idea of this because what they're doing essentially is you know, introducing your body to the number of stem cells you would have when you're three months old or something, you know? So it's like really kind of a rebirth on a cellular level, as I understand it. Have you heard anything about those treatments? And is that similar to the adipose stem cell thing that your guy in Arizona does? It's the same kind of deal where they take some, I guess, for lack of better terms, some seedlings stem cells and multiply them and reintroduce them? Somewhat similar. So, um, so the the cells that come from bone marrow are a little bit different than the cells that come from um, your fat. The fat cells can turn into almost anything. Um, bone marrow cells can turn into a bunch of different things, but not quite as many as the adipose tissue can turn into. Uh, the way typically I've seen it done with with doctors is they will, you know, do a little liposuction, so you get a little, you know 
belly tuck or usually from the from the butt they'll take a little bit of that fat. would not do me any good <laughs> I feel like i don't have anything i there. would literally collapse i barely have enough butt <laughs> to hold me up as it is so maybe the thigh you know we can we can work it out um and then they'll process it and there's a specific way to do that they have to keep them at a specific temperature and really baby them and they do multiply it doesn't take two to three months typically they re-inject them the same day there's some laws about that so that's another part of of that whole law component um, i believe you have to do it within 24 hours is re-inject it into the person within 24 hours um I don't know if they think it's going to be a human on its own outside or what the deal is, but uh, so they'll harvest them and you'll come back in and you can get them injected into joints. Um, I've, I've heard of someone who had one injected uh, behind the eye to help with the optic nerve. And that was actually really successful. Ooh, does the yeah. guy, my dad has the beginning stages of um, macular degeneration. Have mm -hmm. you heard of any treatment for that using this, uh, the adipose stem cells? I haven't specifically, but I can, I can put you in touch with, uh, mm. with the guy. He's Noted. fantastic. Sorry, I don't mean to get selfish here on the show, you guys. But hey, if you have someone, I'll I'll find out. And you know I'm going to tell you guys about it. I love finding alternative medicine cures for mm -hmm. things that are quote unquote incurable. I mean, I've seen so many people turn around, you know, supposedly deadly diseases by going to freaking Costa Rica and taking wheatgrass enemas for two weeks. I mean, mm -hmm. like you can do some... Kind of, well, what's more crazy than chemo, really? But I mean, you can do some crazy sounding treatments and cure yourself. Your own body has the innate ability to heal itself if you if you put it in the right conditions and give it a little boost. The healing so power of nature. Yeah, so I'm really mm -hmm. big on the alternative therapies, and I always like to hear about new ones. So I'm, I'm keen on this, and, and I'll get the name from you, and I'll put the doctor. What's his name? Dr. Profrock. Profrock. I love Pro his name. Profrock. Yeah, he sounds rock and roll. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll definitely put him in the show notes and, and give me the info because I'm going to check up on them and see what's going on. Okay, so we're coming towards the end of the show here. And we've covered, I really think, just about everything I wanted to cover. Um, I do want to ask you briefly about sleep. If you have any tips for sleep, and then we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up. That's the only thing we didn't get to, and I just can't leave that off. So... Give us a couple things that would be useful for deeper sleep. How important is it? And what will interfere with one's ability to sleep well? Yeah. So sleep, do it. That, that's my, that's my suggestion. <laughs> Sound advice. Definitely do it. Um, that the number one complaint that we have of people coming in, the reason that most people come into us is fatigue. They're tired. And so the first question is how Often, how much are you sleeping and are you getting a deep sleep? Usually the answer is no. Granted, we live in LA and so there's a whole lot of um, confounding factors to that. But as far as sleep goes, you know, you really want to get eight to nine hours a night. And I know that sounds crazy and that sounds like a lot. Some people can do just fine on seven, eight. As we get older, we, we need less, uh, less sleep. But when I say older, I'm talking, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, people can just do okay on, on less sleep. The interesting, interesting thing about sleep is that's when our body heals. So our, we have this thing called the autonomic nervous system. It's, it's the part of our nervous system that we don't have to think about. It keeps our heart beating. It will open and close our blood vessels, uh, all of these different things. We have the parasympathetic, which is the rest, digest, 
healing part, and we have the sympathetic, which is run away from a bear. We in this society, particularly in LA, in the city, are mostly in the sympathetic part all day long. We are rushing around, we're doing things. And so it's hard for us to switch over to that parasympathetic and get that deep sleep. Um, so good sleep hygiene, not watching TV, not having lights on. Uh, a lot of people have those those filters for the blue light on your computer, you know, helping your body understand that, okay, it's time to turn off, it's time to go to sleep. When we get those external cues, when things start getting dark, we start dimming the lights in our house, we don't watch a flashing screen, our body starts producing melatonin. And that's what will help us go, you know, go into a deep sleep. So getting enough sleep, making sure, you know, you're going to bed, you know, 10, 12, something like that, being able to get a schedule set that you have enough time, you don't have to wake up after six hours to get to work is really important. Sleep hygiene, having your bedroom be a space for sleep and not work is really important. I know I do this. I will lay in bed on my laptop and do work and my body gets confused. So when I go to lay down in bed, it's kind of like a Pavlovian dog thing. When you go to lay down in bed, your body should understand, okay, it's time for me to rest. That's a big component. That's huge. I used to do that too. And and I have to say over the years, I have definitely changed my living environment so that I only do, well, two things <laughs> in bed. <laughs> one of them sleep and it doesn't, and the other one does not include using a computer. Fantastic. Good yeah. for you. But I'll be tempted sometimes. Like I want to geek out on my lap. Like I want to buy something on Craigslist or something, right? Like I just want to like go on a little research project and I'm like, well, I could just, I got Wi-Fi in my room and I could take it in. And I really actually have been very good about not doing that. Thing that gets me though, is this sneaky little thing called the iPhone, which is a I baby know. laptop. Cause I use it for like my, um, my sleep monitor, my app on there. And I, and I fall asleep to podcasts every single night. And right when I wake up, I put on a podcast. I'm obsessed with learning, you know, what I really want to have is a device that I can take in my room that's not my phone. It doesn't have internet, so it doesn't get email, it doesn't get text. It just has my sleep app and I can play podcasts on it. I'd be so happy. So if anyone out there in the tech world is listening, you you young entrepreneurs, you go-getters, make that shit and you at least have one customer right here. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is like, no, dude, that's what a phone is for. But I, I do kind of fall prey to using the phone, not really to do work, but I do notice it gets me a little hyped up because I'll get interested in a project or I'm, I'm Googling something and looking at something, right? But definitely no computer in the room. So great advice. Um, give us the, the closing remarks on sleep. What else would be good to help us get really great sleep? So making sure that you're not having stimulants throughout the day. So coffee, tea, caffeine, you know, if you're going to have it in the morning, a lot of people think that it doesn't affect them, but it, in reality, when we ask them, you know, are how are you sleeping? Well, I have a hard time going to sleep. A lot of times that can be it. Um, you know, anxiety, a lot of people have anxiety at night. And so magnesium is great to help you sleep. It helps relax your muscles. It's one of the most common deficiencies in America, uh, the nutrient deficiencies. So I know a lot of patients who have magnesium right before bed or take an Epsom salt bath. You will absorb the magnesium across your skin you're warm, you're, you're calm, you're chilling. So that's, that's a good suggestion. 
Awesome. I love it. I'm all about it. That's something I'm working on all the time is trying to get my sleep optimized. I mean, I really, really put a lot of effort into it. I'm sad to say that on average, I sleep seven and a half hours. Like I don't even want to admit that because I'm always a Mr. Sleep. And I yell at all my friends and clients about not getting eight hours, but it is so hard for me to go to bed. What's crazy is the lifestyle that I've created. I have so much energy as you might be able to tell. I mean, I'm nonstop all day, every day. I'm on fire and I really don't get tired at night. When I'm tired, is it eight in the morning when it's like, actually, no, that's not even true anymore. I actually wake up really easily. That's the problem is I can't sleep in. Even if I stay up till 1 a.m., I'm like, oh, sweet, man, I'm going to sleep in until nine tomorrow. Nope. I'll wake up between seven and eight just naturally and I'm wide awake. So for me, the struggle is real. No, the struggle is, (laughs) (laughs) the struggle is I, I really like, intent. I want to set the intention. That's why, you know, a few minutes ago we edited out you guys because we didn't want to sound retarded, but, uh, my alarm went off. It goes off at 10 every night and it says, go to bed in all caps, which just means start winding down, get off the internet, you know, stop texting, stop tweaking out on Instagram, stop doing things that are stimulating and getting my dopamine or cortisol jacked up at all. Um, but my goal is, and I just want to say this out loud so I can hold myself accountable is to really start winding down at 10 and to be in bed, ready to sleep at 11. When I sleep eight or more hours, dude, I am a rock star. I'm so much happier, like really affects my mood. Like my level of anxiety, irritability is at a zero practically just by sleeping enough. So Sleep is when we make our hormones, all of our sex hormones. It's when our immune system kicks back in. It's when we're making our neurotransmitters. So if you don't sleep enough, you can't repair the damage from the day before and you don't have enough reserve for the day ahead. Amen. Okay. So there's one question that I ask all of our guests and I would like to ask you, it's three parts. Well, it's actually one part with three answers. I would like you to give me your three top recommendations for teachers, gurus, um, philosophies, books, podcasts. Where do you go to learn? Because I've learned tons sitting here talking to you in our studio here. And I could talk to you forever because you just are a wealth of information. Who are your go-tos? Like, who's the badass that you would like to interview on a podcast? Or or what books have you read that you could recommend to people? So, uh we were talking about environmental medicine. Dr. Walter Crinian is kind of the guy. He wrote the book on environmental medicine. Uh, he's my mentor. He has taught a lot of the people who do environmental medicine. So definitely Walter Crinian, check out his book. Um, as far as like GI health, Dr. Mona Morstein is kind of a badass. Uh, she's She's fantastic. She's probably one of the smartest people I know. Uh, she is practicing in Phoenix, Arizona. So if anyone's out there, you should look her up. She's fantastic. And let's do a non-doctor one. Yeah, totally. It can be anything. I mean, for me, I always say like, um, think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. I mean, there's just been, you know, catalytic books that I've read that are just like, boom, everything changes in the way that I think. So it could be anything. It doesn't have to be in your field. I would say the four agreements. I read right. I read that and that kind of helped me look at the way that I interacted with myself and the world. Awesome. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And we're going to put all those in the show notes, of course, you guys, so you can study up on all the recommendations. So 
Kelly, tell us where we can find you. Give us your website, uh, where your practice is, your social media, all that stuff. So people can come find you and get injected and tested. Yeah. I'd love to see you guys. So I'm in Brentwood, which is a little bit, um, North of Santa Monica. So in LA, we are on San Vicente Boulevard located inside this cool place called the earth bar that has organic juices, smoothies. It's, it's a pretty cool place. Um, you can find us online at www.purevitalitycenter.com. So my practice is the pure vitality rejuvenation center. We are on Facebook under Pure Vitality Rejuvenation Center. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under Purely Vital. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with me and being on the show, Kelly. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Now comes the part of the show where I have to give you some good news and some bad news. The bad news is, of course, that the show has come to an end, my friend. But the good news is that I am here to offer you your episode upgrade once more, just in case you didn't get it at the beginning of the show. So, of course, the episode upgrade is all of the links and notes and resources mentioned during the interview of this podcast. You can easily get this absolutely free download by doing this. Text the word LIFESTYLIST9 to the number 44222. That's LIFESTYLIST9. Text that to 44222. You can also get that at lukestory.com forward slash lifestylist9 if you're on a browser. Next, it would be awesome if you just go ahead and subscribe to this show so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes, including the last episode 10 of 10 for this 10 days in a row, which comes out tomorrow featuring Eli Block with the subject being orgasmic meditation. After that, we're going to be on an episode coming out once a week. So as long as you're subscribed, you will not miss it. And please don't forget to get over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review because that's what makes podcasters happy. What better way to celebrate the end of another episode of The Lifestylist than to offer you a 10% off discount code at bulletproof.com. Enter the code LUKESTORY at checkout to save 10% off your order. Couple recommendations for me. Of course, the Bulletproof Coffee. And I absolutely live on brain octane. I put that stuff in and on everything. It's an amazing fuel source. And of course, my personal favorite supplement probably in the world, Unfair Advantage. So that's a pretty good place to start. Once again, use the code LUKESTORY at checkout to save 10% off your order at bulletproof.com. Until we meet again, thanks for joining me and I will see you on the next show. 